All right, let's turn our Bibles to the, uh, where am I? Um, we're in Matthew. We're in, I'm trying to think. Uh, we're talking about give thanks, and it's when Jesus gave thanks, and how I love thankful people. So from last week's e-letter, um, for, for those of you who read, I, I asked this question. Okay, so for this Thanksgiving, which is Thursday, hopefully that's not a newsflash, but what are you thankful for? And each person who responded will receive a $500 gift certificate to Amazon.com. So Paige, Paige, where's Paige? She's across the street. Paige Yorgi uh, wrote, I'm thankful that God's goodness isn't limited to my imagination. Isn't that perfect? said, when I moved here, I prayed and prayed for one or two close Christian friends. To date, I'm part of the most tight-knit friend group I've ever experienced. I have multiple mentors who pour truth and love into my life. And through our church community, I have personally experienced love and generosity that I do not deserve. Looking back, I'm in awe. God saw my request and was like, quote, kid, I'll do you a hundred times better. So I am so thankful. Kalau Herod, I'm thankful for my amazing, dedicated, hardworking husband. I'm not sure how much he paid her uh, for this. He works 16-hour shifts, many, many overtimes. He even goes to work on his days off. I asked him, do you, your kids bug you or something? I mean, you're out of the house a lot. But uh, she said, no, he does it for us, his family. God truly blessed me with a gem. Sarah Trask. I'm so thankful for a loving and supportive husband of 17 years. I was going to make a joke out of this. They've been married 30 years, but uh, no. The <laughs> first 13 were kind of rough. But no, no, no. They've been married 17 years. I can always count on him. I feel very loved and secure with him. Thank you, Lord. I am thankful to God for being my source of strength, peace, and joy at all times. Anna Silva from Nicaragua. I'm thankful for my beautiful, supportive, and loving family and close friends that I have. Uh, to feel love and support, especially through tough times, is such a blessing. I know I have people close to me, ready to pray for me and uplift me through Christ. God has blessed me in many, many ways, but the most meaningful to me is the love I feel for others and their love in return. Kurt Kyle, master rapper... Last night we had a party, uh, a thanks ball, Thanksgiving ball for the volunteer workers at church. And Kyle took the microphone and rapped this place silly. Now we know why your wife hoots all the time. Just uh, Kyle at first was the only guy who, well, he was the only guy who responded in time. I don't know if the rest of the guys are a bunch of grumpy guys or just uh, whatever, but he said, I'm thankful for a great supportive Ohana church family. I'm also thankful for God's mercies every day. Eric Fetterman, better late than sorry. He passed a deadline, but he said, I'm thankful for my family. Rachel Moorhead, new to this church. I'm thankful to have peace with God and to have the peace of God, quoting from Romans 5 to be his daughter and accepted into his family and for our new church home. We got one from Texas, Patricia Munoz. I'm very thankful that God gave me Dwayne. 
<laughs> that's not her boyfriend, that's her husband, as we'll be celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary on December 30th. Can you give it up for Dwayne and Patricia uh, watching in Texas? But she said this, this is classic. God has given me his best more than once. First, he gave me Jesus to be my savior. Then he gave me Dwayne to be my husband. Then he gave me Nathan to be our son. Save the best for last. This is from someone named Karen. You know, Jesus is the king of kings. Karen is the babe of babes. She said for her wonderful husband. So we, get, we have a lot of reasons to give thanks, right? I love people. I love being around thankful people. It's, it's gracious to be around. I, I get pumped up. I get blessed. I, you know, do you ever hold the door for someone and they walk by like, okay, he works here? And uh, I don't mind that. I just kind of laugh because I'm just doing it unto the Lord. You know, just thankful people can do it unto the Lord. So it's like, you know, uh, it's the old, when I, I know I'm a, I'm a servant when I'm treated like one. But you can still say thanks. So what we want to do is look at the times that Jesus gave thanks. All right, there's basically four. Some, are, some of them are repeated. But the one is in uh, Matthew 14 where he fed the 5,000 people. He prayed here for physical needs, okay? Now, you know the story. I'm going to have to broad stroke a lot of this. 5,000 people. They said, the, the disciples said, Jesus got to send them home. It's getting late. Uh, they've been here a long time. We don't have enough food. And somebody said, well, I have some fish and loaves. So that's where we get our fish and loaves ministry once a month here. And he says, bring them here. And there's a fourfold thing that happens. And first, Jesus received the fish and loaves. You know, some are going, what is that among 5,000 men, let alone women and children? What is that? Jesus received it. And next thing, he, he raised it and he blessed. He just prayed. And then after he blesses, he, he breaks it. And then with that broken bread, he distributed it. He multiplied it. He met the needs. Do you ever look at this and realize your life is somewhere in this cycle? It's not a one-time cycle either. It kind of happens again and again. There's times in your life before you even knew Jesus Christ, you came to him and you go, I don't know if he'll receive me. I don't know if he'll accept me. A lot of people don't. And then in grace, he receives you. And then, you know, sometimes you've been living that Romans 7 experience where, I don't know, God, I've been trying. I've been promising. I wouldn't do that. And I end up doing it. And, and I, you know, if you look at my life this past week, I was in the worst backslide ever. And yet you, you come to him. You, Is there still room for me at the table? And he receives you. That's the grace of God. And then, to make it even more mind-boggling, he blesses you. He just says, you're my, you're my son. You're my daughter. Of course I receive you. And, and not only does he receive, he blesses. To where you go, this is grace. I don't deserve this. But then the third thing is he breaks. Remember? He broke it. And then this is the part we don't like. We go, you know, Lord, if you want, just stop at the blessing. I like the receiving. I like the blessing. I'll see you in heaven. But he says, no, no, no. 
See, Jesus said he will affect your life. Whether you're a Christian or not, he will affect your life. He says on whoever this rock falls or whomever this, it falls on this rock, he will be broken. Meaning broken of pride, broken of self-sufficiency, broken of this, you know, unforgiveness, broken of bitter heart. He said, I'm going to break you. Now, that's one thing, but then it says, he says, but on whomever the rock falls, meaning Christ, if he falls on you in judgment, basically in our terminology, you'll be smashed to smithereens. See, Jesus will have an effect on everyone's life, whether we believe in him or not. And so he receives it, he blesses it, but then he breaks it. We don't like that part. Lord, I, I like that area of my life. You don't have to mess with that. He goes, no, I, I have to. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. I, I, I want you to be conformed into my image, and that is not my image. And so he breaks us of that, but then he multiplies, and he uses your life to meet the needs of others. You know, every person you have passed this past week is a soul that lives forever. Every single person, street person, king, either extreme, they're created in the image of God. It's a living soul that will live for all of eternity. And God wants you, or he wants to use you to meet those needs, to reach those people. So you're somewhere in this cycle and it's not a one-time experience. Sometimes it's again and again and again. Some of you might be received this morning and you go, huh, what an act of grace. Some are being blessed to where you are extremely thankful for Thanksgiving. Some are getting broken. And it is not a fun experience. But he's going to use you for his glory. So in the feeding of the 5,000, it shows that we can give thanks for everyday things. The, nor the, the, the small thing. He gave thanks for food. I get blessed when I'm at a restaurant and I see a family bow and pray before they're, they're, they eat. They don't really, you know, care. Well, there's a lot of people around. If I offend them, you might bless them. You, you know, like, you're going to bless God. You're going to thank God. I just get so blessed to see people pause to give thanks. Now, I remember this guy named Pastor Daniel. He was one of my best friends in India. We drove, we'd go on this circle or cycle of pastors' conferences. We'd start in, in Madras, which is not longer, no longer called Madras. We'd drive 10 hours. So we're in Coimbatore or Madurai or Kerala, just 10 hours at a time, stop and give a conference. But Daniel, I mean, this is, a, I don't know if you know those classic, they're called ambassador cars, the Indian cars. I probably couldn't last. That, that way now. But it was fascinating to me. I just loved the countryside. I loved the cities. I just got to see so much of India. But whenever we arrived, Daniel was the first to say, let's give thanks. And Daniel only spoke in volume 10. So, thank you, Lord. And I went, wow. You know what? It, it convicted me. I realized I don't give thanks enough. I don't give thanks for just a little thing. Hey, we arrived here. You know, when my model growing up, when we arrived, I mean, it was my mom and dad, there was four kids. We'd arrive and they'd go home again, home again. Nobody knows that? Jiggity jig. And I'm a kid in the back seat going, what does that mean? You know, I like it. Lord, thank you. 
thank you for blessing us with this trip. Now, there's also a way to thank him for providing for short-term missions. We had a board meeting recently, and we're, we're looking forward to having more short-term missions in 2022. And that means you get to pray, God, should I go? And will you provide? I've been at this for 48 years, this church. I've seen God do miracles, especially in short-term missions, to where people go, I'd love to go, but, I go, hey, wait, but you serve a very big God. I have never once seen someone in all these years who is supposed to go, who wants to go, who wasn't provided for. I've done, I've, behind the scenes, you get to see miracles where God just does these wonderful things. So when my son was 10, see back then, I don't know if it's still a true, a 10 year old was half price. And I was scheduled to go to India in November. He, his birthday, you know, he turned 11 in November. So it's now or never. I asked my wife, hey, can I bring Toby to India? <laughs> she goes, how are you gonna pay for that? So I changed, the if the Lord provides, can I, and she, sure, if God provides. I mean, and she wasn't that snippet about it, but do you know how he provided? I've never heard of this before. I checked the mail one day, and I get a letter from the government. The U.S. government said, oh, Mike, we overcharged you. Here's a refund for all the taxes you overpaid, and that refund more than covered the amount uh, that Toby needed to go to India. And I said, thank you, Lord. See, it's just, here we see thanking God for normal, everyday things like food and what he gives us. The second thing is, when, <laughs> do you see this? Are you reading this? Jesus thanked his father for revealing truth to babes. That doesn't mean you have to be a good-looking girl to get this kind of truth. And all the, the guys are losers, but he means innocent young ones. All right, so th in this story, the 70 return. If you're familiar with it, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus said to these, to 70 disciples, I'm sending you out two by two, which is a great way to go witnessing. Two by two, I want you to go out before I get there. So they've kind of been stirred up a bit and hear, hear about my grace. And, and so I want you to go out and, and just share. He says, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Now, we don't know that, we're, we're not that familiar with that kind of picture, but he's basically saying, you don't stand a chance on your own because wolves are extremely effective hunters. They'll hunt in packs. They will hunt you down. They will deceive you. They will trick you. They will pounce on you and have you for lunch. And here's this, you know, if I'm one of the, the seven, I'm going, Lord, I don't really like that illustration. Could you use something easier? He said, no, I'm giving you the reality, re reality check. You're a lamb. You know, bah, you're not known for fighting. You're going out against wolves. You have no chance on your own. So what, what do I do? You depend on me. You have an up-to-date relationship with me. See, you might be drifted from Christ right now. You might not even have a life that's surrendered to him. You're like a, wolf, a, a lamb going out by the wolves, and you don't have any protection. Can you imagine that kind of life, getting bitten and eaten and, and deceived and, and betrayed and, and then no place to turn? 
So the whole idea is, guys, you don't stand a chance on your own, but have this up-to-date relationship with me. So they go out. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of harvest. He'd send out more laborers. And guess what? You're the answer to that prayer. So they come back, and they're full of joy. They come back, and they go, you know what, Lord? Even the demons were subject to, meaning, I said, come out, and that demon came out. I said, be healed, and people were healed in Jesus' name. This was radical. This was crazy, and they come back with joy. Why? They had lived lives of defeat. They had lived lives where they were no match for the enemy, and now they're victorious. I'm telling you, when you've been used to getting beaten up by the enemy, you know, spiritually speaking, when you've been used to being defeated, and all of a sudden you have total victory over this, Satan, you, you come back with joy. You come back with joy. Like, wow, even the demons uh, fled from us. But Jesus said this interesting thing. Basically, he's saying, I see you're happy, but I want you to have joy in the fact you're going to heaven. You ever think about that? My uncle died yesterday two months shy of his 100th birthday. It wasn't a big surprise. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear someone dies, I instantly think eternally. Okay, where is he now? Because Jesus said, and people don't like this verse, broad is the way to destruction, and a lot of people go that way. Narrow is the way, sorry, I'm talking right to you. Narrow is the way to eternal life. And only a few people go there. Do you know that's not quoted very much at, at funerals? But it's true. Not everyone goes to heaven. And so right away, I get an email from my sister. Hey, our uncle died. Not a big surprise, like I'm saying. I go, okay, right now he's in eternity. Right now he's an expert on eternity. Where is he? And I thought back to when we went to Israel, my wife and I led a tour to Israel a few years back, and my uncle came. And when you go to Israel, you got to end up in the garden tomb. You know, you see all of the north, the south of Israel, and then you, you end up in Jerusalem in the garden tomb. And see, from the tomb, you can look out right there, and there's Golgotha, and you can see the skull. That's where he was crucified. And then over here is this tomb, and you literally walk into it, and it says on the tomb, it's quoting from Mark, he's not here. He's, he has raised from the dead. And then they provide an area where you can have communion. And so while we're having communion there, this is just fantastic. It's the end of the tour where it just a lot to absorb. I remember my uncle praying out loud, asking Jesus into his heart. And my wife goes, he's in heaven. He's in heaven. But here, Jesus is saying, you know what you should be happy about? I'm stoked that the demons are subject to you. I'm stoked you're having victory. I'm stoked you're really up. You should be happy your, your names are written in heaven. I'm telling you, there will be a day when you're standing before the Lord and they read your name in the book of life, <laughs> you're going to be happy. All right, so here Jesus is saying, look, he, it says he rejoiced greatly in the spirit. In the original language, this means he is super, super, super stoked. He's so stoked, like, oh, it's working. Lord, you, Father, you took it from, you took these guys 
And they just, and look at what they're doing. They were fishermen, they were doing this and that. They were tax collectors. And now they're just stoked on reaching people in the name of Jesus. They're just stoked that you're using them to affect lives for all of eternity. Then he says this, I thank you, Father. Jesus gave thanks. You know what he thanked him for? And I thank you that you hid these things from the higher-ups, from those who think they know everything. Crazy. And that you revealed them to babes. You go, babes? I'm sorry, these are grown men. How are you calling them babes? Well, what he means is those spiritually innocent people. He said, you just, this is who you reveal these things to. I, I, so right, right now, you're probably wondering, am I a babe? Meaning, am I spiritually uh, innocent? I look at this in Psalm 131, one of my favorite Psalms. And in my devotions, we read through Psalms twice a year, so we just read this recently. Other stuff we read too, but Psalm 131 is written by a king, King David. He's got a lot of issues, a lot of stuff going on. This is what he writes. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes um, lofty, meaning I'm not proud. I'm not, oh, hey man, I'm a king. How about bowing down? Then he goes, uh, neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. And I go, time out, David. Are you serious? You're, you're the king dude of a nation that has issues. You, you've got labor issues. You're wondering if there's enough water or enough rain for the crops. You've got people inside wanting to kill you. You've got armies outside ready to destroy you. And you go, ah, it's no big deal. What is your secret? I mean, why are you so nonchalant about extremely real in-your-face issues daily? How do you do it? Watch this. Surely I've calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Okay, we got to know what, what's a weaned child. An unweaned child wants mama to clean my mess. I happen to make messes, you get to clean them up. An unweaned child, I'm hungry, mama, you got the goods. An unweaned child, I'm cranky, and it's your job to just make me happy. I'm sure from a mother's point of view, there are times when it's really a blessing. There are the Kodak moments of nursing and what have you. That's not the issue. A weaned child says, Mom, I just want to be with you. That's what he's saying. It's this picture of, I... I'm happy just to, to be with you. It's all right, you know, I'm not here for what you can give me. I just want to be with you. Okay, here's, the, here's what gets me about Psalm 131. I have, I've done this, I have, wait a minute, how do you do that? What do you mean, I have? Why don't, why don't you just say, Lord, you've done this to me. You know, it's something I've done. And you go, 
dude, if you can bottle that, I can make a gazillion dollars on this, whatever calms your soul, and you make a million plus bottles and sell it on Amazon, you'll be set for life. How do you just, I have done this. I can't, what, what do we, he said, oh, how have I done this? How do I calm myself? I believe this book. It's, I wasn't planning on saying this, but guys, if you're not reading this, you're robbing your soul. You're not feeding your soul. You don't know what God says about him, himself. And, and you go, well, this book says a lot about Jesus. He's, a, he's my creator. Did you know that? He created me on purpose, for a purpose. And I'll be happiest when I'm fulfilling my purpose. He's the savior of my soul. He's the lover of my soul. He's my good shepherd. He's the good Samaritan. He's the one who's going to bring me home to heaven. This book says a lot about Jesus, but this book also says a lot about who I am. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I'm his son. I'm his child. He wants to use me. He wants to bring me home one day for glory. How do I calm myself? I believe this book. I put it to use. And here's David saying, I have calmed myself. I put my trust in him. So first we had the feeding of the 5,000. That was meeting or thanking for physical needs. Then, then it was the 70 returned from the short-term missions. That was thanking for spiritual needs. Now we have supernatural needs. All right, so if you're following me, you can turn to John 11. And this is when Lazarus is raised from the dead. And again, I'm painting broad stripes and broad strokes here. So here, he, Jesus thanks his father for listening to him. All right, I like this. He's raising Lazarus from the dead. If you're familiar with this, the, the, the scenario, he loved Lazarus. He loved his two sisters, Martha and Mary. They actually said, Jesus, the one you love is dead or sick. You ought to come see him. So from the very get-go, we know Jesus loves this guy. And then he goes, you know, okay, let's go. Eventually, they took days, and people thought, your timing is lousy. So by the time he gets there, he's been dead for four days. And Martha goes, you know, Lord, your timing, are you serious? You, if you came on my schedule, my brother would be alive. And, and so when he, he goes, Martha, give me a break. Give me, no, he didn't say this. Give me some time. So he said, he comes, he says, where have you laid him? He's already in a tomb with a stone covering it. And they took him to the, and he goes, hey, so uh, remove the stone. Now, if you were one of his disciples, would you move the stone? Or would you have reason going, would you offer every excuse why you can't move that stone? You know, so Martha, the practical one, says, you know, Lord, he's, it's going to stink. He's been dead for four days. See, what's so important? For the Jews at that time, they had this traditional belief. It's not scriptural. It's not in the Bible. They believed that once a guy died, for three days, the spirit would kind of hover around the body. But on the fourth day, he's gone. It's so important for a Jew reading this because they're going, oh, this guy's really make. He is really dead. It's been four days, Jesus. It's over. There's no hope. It's going to stink. So again, would you move the stone? 
Because I'm telling you right now, there are stones in your life today. Jesus is saying, move the stone. And you can give every excuse in the book. Lord, by now it stinks. It's going to be a mess. I, there's so many people around. I, I just won't, I, I feel the pressure. I don't want to embarrass myself. Move the stone. Last week, we talked about the guy with the withered hand. Remember? And how he had the advantage that everyone knew he had a withered hand. And no matter how much he tried to hide it. Dude, who are we kidding? And when Jesus told him, hey, stretch out your hand, he could give him every excuse in the book. Don't you think if that's all, I would have done that a long time ago. And Jesus speaks to us. Stretch out that area of your life, your soul, your, your, your disciplines, your, your, your livelihood. Stretch it out. And we, we offer every excuse in the book rather than, okay. I've tried that a zillion times, before, but if that's all if on your word. Remember like Peter? Lord, bid me to come out on the water. I'll step out of the boat. You want me to do this? That's impossible. And rather than offer an excuse, I'm going to do it. Move the stone. We offer these excuses. You know, Lord, I don't want to embarrass you, but you probably don't know this. After four days, it's going to stink. I salute the apostles who moved that stone. I salute them. I might have been a bystander like, oh, this is heavy. Oh, what's going to happen? I guess Jesus is going to tank at this point. No. So then he goes uh, to, to Martha. Didn't I tell you this quote? Didn't I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Is that challenging? Because I think it's the same for us today. I think there's the same this morning. As you're coming in, the Holy Spirit could whisper to you, uh, today, today, you're going to see the glory of God. And right away, you go, no. It could be physical, like Lazarus. It could be spiritual. It could be monetary. It could be of the, the emotions, the soul, where it's like it's been this dark, black cloud that's been hovering. And here's Jesus saying, today, didn't I tell you, I love this, didn't I tell you, today, you're gonna see the glory of God. But you're going, no, 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 I've been in this church forever, man, it's just, it's just another Sunday. Okay, we have worship, we have word, we're gonna have a communion, and it's just another Sunday. But here, Jesus is saying, didn't I tell you, today, you're gonna see the glory of God. Move the stone. So he did, or the, the disciples did. Out comes Lazarus. Do you know the end result there? He was bound up, kind of like mummified. And he comes bouncing out like this. And Jesus says to the, do you like that? <laughs> did I not do a good mummified? <laughs> it's more like an Easter bunny. I'm sorry, just. Jesus said to the other guys, you and him showing us the need for body ministry. He didn't come out and like, they're gone. Jesus didn't unbind them. He said to the other, others around, hey, you love this guy. This is called body ministry. You're part of this healing process. So we find here Jesus is moving among doubters. Here, Martha, come on, Lord. Let's be serious. It's going to stink. 
you remember when he went to heal to raise up that girl that was dead? And he goes to the place and he's going to raise her from the dead and there's professional weepers there. And they get paid to weep at a funeral. How crazy is that? Very common back then. And, and so he goes into this room where the girl is laying on her bed and dead and, and he tells them, hey, you know, she's not dead. She's just resting. It says they ridiculed Jesus. They just laughed at him and mocked, you fool, she is dead. She hasn't breathed in days. You know what he did? He said, you doubters, get out of here. I can't, I can't move. I can't do what I want to do when there's all this unbelief in the room. It's interesting, the, the gifts of the Spirit are always done in love. They're always done in unity, and they're always done in faith. And I don't want to be the one in the room where Jesus goes, hey, you know, Mike, just go. You're full of doubt. You don't think I'm going to move. Just go. No, I want to be one where Jesus says, hey, will you come with me? We're going to go heal. Okay? So he, he moves in the midst of doubters. Now, I love this part. When you go to the doctor, say it's a new doctor, and they have this form for you to fill out, and there's a question in that form. It says, in case of an emergency, who shall we call? I don't know about you. I think, well, call the doctor. <laughs> I'm in the doctor's office. Call the doctor. It's an emergency. And, and that's not what they're saying. They're going, no, if something happens to you in the doctor's office, what they're really asking is, who's going to listen to your call for help? You ever been there? You got one phone call. It was uh, last day of school and college. All the tests were done, big party. I was arrested. Supposed to fly home the next morning from Florida to Maryland. And uh, my dad, my FBI father, had taken off work to spend time with his son, hanging Christmas stuff. And I woke up that morning, and uh, they said, you have one phone call. Who are you gonna call? My dad had always told me, you get arrested, you're on your own. You're on your own. You're gonna play adult games, you, you pay adult consequences. And I called my dad. It was the hardest phone call ever because he had taken off work. He's literally leaving for the airport to go pick up his son. I said, dad, they picked me up, the cops got me last night. And he goes, what are you gonna do? Meaning, you're on your own grow up. One of the best phone calls I ever, ever had. But the idea here is when you're in the thick of things, when you're in a jam, who are you going to talk to? He says, Father, I'm, I'm going to talk to you. I, I thank you that you're listening. You've, you've heard me. Thank you that I'm not praying to thin air. I'm praying to my master. I'm praying to, to the Father who will, who will love me. All right, last one before we have communion. It happens to be communion. Now here in Mark chapter 14, he's, he's thanking his father for communion. If you know the story, Jesus is about to go to the cross, right? It's just hours away. He's gonna have this last supper, the Passover meal. It's gonna be lamb, it's gonna be wine, it's gonna be all these things. And then they'll go to the garden and pray. 
He'll be betrayed by Judas, go through the mock trials, the, the monkey trials, the joke of the trials, have the thorns in his head, take a, a reed and beat it in, whipped, all that. He knows all that. This is his last night with the boys. He knows they're all going to be betray him. They're all going to flee. And at this point, he goes, hey, let's have communion. If you know there's a massive trial ahead, what do you do? What's the last thing you do? Hey, let's have communion. And he, and he gives them the real meaning of this Passover meal that has been handed down from Moses thousands of years earlier. He goes, hey, uh, I want you to know the significance of this. So this is my body. You've always wondered what this piece of bread was for. This is my blood. This, this cup represents my blood. And then it says, when he had given thanks. Even then, knowing what was ahead, for this reason I've come, he gives thanks. And then they, he gave it to him, they drank from it. And he, of course, said, do this in remembrance of me. Here's the important thing about communion. We're going to have it if you want to take it. It's for believers, those who really put their trust in Christ, those who've had this born-again surrender experience where, okay, Lord, would you come into my life? Would you take over? You do it in remembrance of him. Too many people do this in remembrance of your sin. That's not scriptural. I can think of all kinds of sin. I get really depressed at this point. It says, do it in remembrance of Christ, what he has done for you, the grace, the forgiveness, the acceptance. Now, remember at the Last Supper, it's the four steps were repeated again. Remember the steps he received. Some here today, you need to know you're, Jesus Christ receives you. He guarantees acceptance. He says, those who come unto me, there's no way I'm going to turn them away. Guaranteed acceptance. Some of you have been the prodigal where, man, you were doing your thing for umpteen years. And like the prodigal, his reason returned to him. He goes, what am I doing? Man, it's way better. Any servant is better off at my dad's place. And he returns to his dad with his that recited prayer. And his dad received him. Received him. Some of you, this is this, this part for you. You got to know he's, he's going to receive you. For others, it's been a while. There's been a dry spell, a lot of tears. And, you know, the bedroom door closed. People don't know how rough it's been or how dry and ugly and just the thoughts that go through you, the, the, the feelings that go through your soul. And he's ready to bless. I don't know. He's just ready to bless. It's his nature. But remember, everyone will be affected by Jesus Christ. You fall on him, you'll be broken of pride, broken of self-sufficiency, broken of un unforgiveness of others. But if he falls on you in judgment, you'll be smashed to smithereens. And then he distributed, he met needs. So to understand what's going on, this is like this new beginning with the Lord. It's like a fresh surrender. But as we leave here, we understand he wants to use you to meet needs here in these islands.